Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Um, I was at Great Wolf Lodge this weekend. <laughs> oh, did you get bed bugs? What? I Do they a, have those? I see a lot of TikToks about people getting bed bugs at Great Wolf Lodge. No. Oh, see, I wouldn't think that's the problem at Great Wolf Lodge. I would think the problem at Great Wolf Lodge is, you know, the large indoor water park cesspool of yeah. bacteria. Legionella. Yeah. Rotavirus. Uh-huh. Or well, both. Did you have a good time? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I had a I love Great Wolf Lodge. <laughs> I had a great time. I got this great new sweatshirt that has like it's like a wolf on the front there's a couple wolves and they're walking across these like geometric shapes that look like something from tron i don't know why though Mm -hmm. i don't know why they're walking across these like computer generated geometric squares and then on the back it just has a listing of every location of great wolf lodge that's it that's the whole sweatshirt and you saw that and thought i need it not only did I see it in the front of the store and walk directly to it and start looking for my size immediately, uh-huh. Justin came walking up next to me and started looking through the t-shirts for his size. I mean, it was the same thing on a sweatshirt and a t-shirt, and we both immediately were like, we have to have, we have. Wait, we have. wait, wait. <laughs> did you get matching geometric shape walking wolf shirt yep. and t- sweatshirt yep. t-shirt situation? We did. Okay. All right. They're so cute. I actually, Riley, I almost got you one. Oh, God. (laughs) Because I thought, oh, Riley used to love the Great Wolf Lodge when she was little. (laughs) Maybe she'd want one of these. It's kind of cool. It's got an 80s vibe. It's like vintage, like, like distressed, you know, that look where, like, Mm -hmm. it's a black sweatshirt, Mm -hmm. but it's got that kind of overwashed look. And it's so soft. (laughs) Justin did get, I think, the favorite, favorite shirt of mine that I've ever seen anyone wear. Um, from the Great Wolf Lodge many years ago. And that's the one that has, like, the big wolf. But it's not a cartoon wolf. It is, Mm -mm. like, a pretty real wolf. It might even be a real picture of a wolf. Um, Photoshopped wearing, like, a muscle tank and a sweatband with a whole pizza in front of him. And it says, yeah, I'm into fitness. Fitness, whole pizza in my mouth. And it's like, there's no reference. Yeah, there's no reference to Great Wolf Lodge. Mm -hmm. There's no reference to why it is a wolf. It's just that. And it's so good. They have a, they don't have that one in anymore. They do have one that's just like a wolf dabbing. Sure. Um, that's just there. Yeah. Uh, they have like a wolf flossing on another one. Um, Did they design then, these, you think, like three years ago when these things were like very height of like social media and then they know. just caught, came out with them? They always oh, wait. the ones. <laughs> You said flossing, and I thought I, I realized now you mean the dance move. I thought you meant like flossing, like your no, teeth. No, not flossing their little wolf teeth. Oh, no, like, that sounds have. pretty cute. I, I'd get that on some jammies. Oh, little wolf jammies reminding you to floss. They always have the ones that are like just like a really majestic looking wolf face staring directly at you, and yeah. like they have one like that, and like all of its like fur is like neon electric looking yeah and it's like staring at you with its piercing blue wolf eyes Mm -hmm. they have lots of those um and then they had one that was in the kids section and it was like a wolf talking to another wolf and he was saying man did you eat that unicorn and he was saying no but his face was all covered with rainbow colors 
I know. Oh, and there was a puddle of rainbow at his feet with a unicorn horn laying in it. And that was for children. Well, they I mean, what what is the proper age to, to learn the the repercussions of eating a unicorn? That wolves eat unicorns? Cooper would like that actually, yeah. probably, right? I was so disturbed by it. I was like, this isn't the ki-. but then at the same time, like, am I by se- by being shocked that it's in the children's section, am I suggesting that this is a shirt for adults? <laughs> is yes. this a shirt for grown ups? I would wear that. I don't know. I do the. I like the thing I like about the flodge is that that's Great Wolf Lodge. The flodge is that it just that. yeah, it just knows what it is. You know, like every drink you order there, they put in a plastic cup because they assume you want to walk around with it, mm-hmm. and they're like, you want to take this around when you're following your kids around, right? Like I'm just assuming you do. You wouldn't want this in a glass because you're going to get up and you're going to go on a magical quest with your child who's running around with a wand and a wizard robe mm-hmm. or you're going to go down to the arcade and try to win a claw machine for an hour and a half or <laughs> that's fine here's your drink in a plastic cup I feel like Gosh, that I get it that is the cultural motto of the wolf I know what I am mm-hmm. like that's I don't and I, I mean I'm saying this is I, I guess I feel like we grew up in a I don't know how I think this is a safe way of saying a, a wolf a embracing culture like a certain economic stress of American culture. It's got, I, yeah, I mean, that, I, that's why I feel like it's okay. Listen, I still live in West Virginia and I'm, I ain't never leaving. Well. <laughs> and these are my people. This is my place. These are my friends in low places. That's, they that's the vibe. The world. And like, I, I feel at home there. Um, <laughs> they don't have to know how I vote at the Flodge. <laughs> I just like 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 that. Like I just want a picture with the 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 tie dye shirt with the wolf, and then I wanted to say, I know what I am underneath the wolf. Yes, that's it. That's that's and I I, I like that vibe. I uh, the food is surprisingly pretty good there, and I had a really decent spicy margarita. Oh, a really decent. <laughs> it was really okay. It was strong and it was fairly decent. (laughs) Here's the the only thing that kept me from saying it was really good is they asked me, do you want salt on the rim? And I said, yes, please, because I love salt on a market. That's like, you know, that's a big part of it for me. Right. It's the whole balance. And when I got it, I took a big sip right from the rim so I could get that salty rim, except it was definitely caked in sugar. It was definitely not salt. It was sugar. Oops. Common mistake. Yeah. Tragedy. That, that's my only complaint. I did not send it back. I drank it through a straw and enjoyed it just fine. That's that's your definition of really... Oh, okay? <laughs> okay. What? I mean, the rest of the drink was pretty good. It just, you know... It just wow. had sugar. Love the flodge. I'm, listen. I like the flodge. It's got an indoor water park. My kids were so happy. That's and it's not a selling point. Trim. It's not. I would love to see some studies done on the water in that water park. Well, let's not. You don't want to think about that. I have to think no. about it. There is there is just something about humid, wet, fluorescent <laughs> lit flesh that makes me want to die inside. <laughs> you also, like, there's no getting dry yeah. ever. No! 
Oh, because the minute you walk moist. in, yeah, the minute you walk in, you're damp. Yeah, you're it, just, before you even <laughs> step foot in that like two inches of water in that waiting pool right up there up front, you are damp. It was it's, it's it like, was like that the whole weekend because we walked over to Kings <sighs> Island, and the kids really love water rides. And so we rode water rides and got absolutely drenched. So I just basically felt like I was sort of damp the entire weekend. Can I just apologize to you all retroactively for all the times I made you go on water rides? Because I, too, loved them as a child. And now as an adult, the last thing I would want at, a, at an amusement park where I'm walking around all day in the heat is to be dripping wet but and wearing my wet, wet clothes walking around in that amusement park all day. I, I agree, but I still think that there is something different. Being wet outdoors in the heat, fine. It's that's that's natural. Yeah. The sun's there; it's gonna dry you off. Being wet inside in a covered, like in a indoor water park, there's something so unnatural about it. I, I can't. That's a whole different level of like. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, no, I know because I didn't mind like walking around Kings Island drying off. That didn't bother me. I the, like. The I mean, chafing. I know. I think it's the the whole the whole like theme park and all that experience is really a kind of like um, discomfort that I'm okay with because like they've got La Rosa's pizza. We ate some blue ice cream, which is not called Smurf ice cream anymore. I don't think, but it I think is. They lost the marketing rights to that one. But I mean, it's Smurf ice cream. We all know it. We yeah. can, I called it. I went up and said, "I'll take a Smurf ice cream." <laughs> He said, legally, we cannot agree to sell you that, but we will give you blue ice cream. We will give you blue ice cream. Um, I mean, you know, they've got they've got some really good beers on draft there now at Kings Island, too. It's just, I like the whole thing. This is who I am. I, a, I won't run away from it. This is who, this I, is am. who I am. <laughs> they have cocktails at Kings Island yet? They do. Oh, man. Now have, I got to go back. They have cocktails. They have a lot of canned cocktails, too, so you can carry well, for good. ease of carrying. They have frozen ones, frozen cocktails Ooh. as well, because it was really hot. Um, and they had a special beer just for Kings Island that was a strawberry funnel cake flavored beer. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> it was. It could work. It was a. Uh, it was a lot of things happening in one can. Like you take a drink and you're like, huh? Oh, hmm. Wow. Ooh, like like mm -hmm. multiple layers of like what is happening in this beer. I'm just really glad that theme parks have caught on to uh, adults. Like, oh, you're gonna bring your kids here like for 15 hours? Maybe you need a drink. Maybe mm -hmm. like I think it's it's good. It's good for them monetarily. It's good for the adults. It's good for everybody. Kids are like, oh man, my my dad's so excited to be on this this kitty roller coaster for the fifth time. I wonder why he's drunk. That's that's new, right? It definitely had beer before, but like cocktails are new, right? Yeah, I think I think that I mean I don't know. We don't like when I talk about going to amusement parks. We go to Disney sometimes. We go to Kings Island. That's really it. Like I don't I don't go anywhere else. But I feel like that they always had some beer. But they've been, definitely expanded how how many different places you can find it, and mm -hmm. then expanded into like cocktails and stuff. I think the rise of seltzers too has helped with that because like yeah, here's seltzers, and then also oh we can put other things in cans. Like here are cocktails in cans, and here are frozen things, and we you can know, put anything in cans. We can put anything in a can. <laughs> Why stop at beer? But they have it on draft. That impressed yeah. me. How many places you could walk up and get a drink on tap, not yeah. just a can or a bottle? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It was, it was, it was great. 
I'm glad you had a good time. Thank you. Uh, before we get into our topic for this week, um, this is not one of my great segues, I'm realizing. Well, I think that's okay. Uh, so we we had already planned on, as we said last week, talking about Fight Club this week, um, which, of course, is a movie. And we uh, talked a lot. <laughs> what? Well, it's also a book. But we I just It sounded like you were suggesting that we were going to talk about the real concept of something in which we participate that is Fight Club. <laughs> no. I mean, it is also a book, but we're not. And, yeah. and I mean, I have read the book, Tay. I think you read the book. Yeah. You did not read the book, Riley. I did not. No, and I wasn't going to ask you to read the book. I've so. read sections from it in high school English class, <laughs> but that was many years ago, and I do not remember. Interesting. Yes. Um, we'll explore that later. Uh, <laughs> but we were talking a lot about, you know, we are in no way, by talking about Fight Club on this show, intending to promote Fight Club or any other piece of media that is that has been created by one of the companies that are currently... Um, being struck, struck again. Being struck. Yes. Is that the right? Am I, using, the, am I phrasing it right? Sounds good. The, yes, because as you probably know, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA are on strike, and we have no intention of, um, you know, promoting works that they would that they are asking people not to promote. So we talked a lot about is this promotion? We are in no way encouraging anybody to go watch Fight Club. I know right now. Because um, the best way, when you're trying to figure out how's the best way to support a union when they're striking, is to look and see what the union is asking you to do. Because, yeah. you know, most, most unions are pretty clear about what they would ask non-union members who want to be supportive. Uh, what would you like us to do? So go ask them. Don't assume things. And uh, it looks like currently they're not, you know, discouraging people from necessarily watching movies or, or streaming things. Um, but from promoting them. And, I, you know, we talked a lot about we will discuss this film. We already told you we were going to. We've all prepared for it. Uh, we are not promoting in any way anyone viewing it. But moving forward, just so that there is no gray area there, we're not going to discuss any pieces of struck media until hopefully the time comes at the strike ends. And it, it feels like it's okay to do so just because even though we are again not promoting this in any way we do understand rationally that there may be some people who decide to watch the movie or, or whatever we're talking about because we talked about it yeah and we certainly aren't intending that but that's the truth uh, like you know they've not asked for people to not stream things or watch things right now but as an act of solidarity i think we'd all feel better if we just were not we were specifically targeting our content to things that will not promote the people that they are being struck against. Exactly. Um, in the meantime, if you want to know the, uh, entertainment community fund at entertainmentcommunity.org is a place you can go to support all of those people who are currently striking and being affected by this, you know, not being able to do their job and, and, you know, get a paycheck for that right now. Um, that's a great organization we can go and find out. And again, I really urge if you're not sure, um, you know, what should I do to help support you right now? Uh, look to WGA and SAG-AFTRA for yeah. that guidance. And, and I know, you know, I hear the, the common response of like, you know, when you see very successful actors out front that probably make millions of dollars, like, oh, uh, they need more money. It, for every actor whose face you recognize, you have to know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of people behind the scenes 
making those movies, those films, those television shows happen that are not properly compensated. And the reason those actors are out front is because they know what their faces are worth and they're doing it for a reason. So, you know, that's, those aren't, those, those aren't the people that are specifically concerned with fair compensation. It's everybody else that needs help. So, with that being said, after we debated a long time, if we could talk about Fight Club. <laughs> which is the whole thing about Fight Club. Which the, you know, you can't talk about Fight Club. We, we literally can. It's right there. <laughs> they tell you. Rule one is don't talk about it. Rule two is also don't talk about it. But we we are rule breakers, I guess. <laughs> so, we are going to talk about Fight Club. I, I wanted to talk about it in part because... So, it came out in 1999, the film. It was hugely popular at the time and um i then went on to i took a film class my senior year of college because i had finished all my required credits for my degree and everything but i was still in college and i was a nerd and i like to take classes and learn things so so i took a class about film because i thought that'd be fun and cool and it turned out the entire class was about fight club (laughs) <laughs> you took Fight Club the class. I did. I have. I, well, they didn't tell you up front because they couldn't. It's true. What was it? Was you were in. What was the name of the class? Was there a hint in the title? No, film studies. Oh wow! And so when I got there on day one and found out like I would be taking Fight Club the class, it was funny because I was I was a little disappointed at first because I was like, well, I mean, I saw that, but I didn't, you know, I didn't love it. Um, but it turned out to be super interesting, and now I have like three credit hours in Fight Club. <laughs> Fight Club. <laughs> That I can point so you're to. the most qualified to talk about this today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe of the three of us. I don't know. I'm sure ever. there are people more. You're the most qualified ever, actually. <laughs> you know people have written dissertations on Fight Club. Right. 1,000%. Books longer than the actual book Fight Club have been written about Fight Club, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But I did read the book as well, um, which I would argue was better than the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I did my senior year of high school in AP literature we did I remember being handed a packet of like several like excerpts from books like a couple pages of each we were talking I don't even I couldn't even tell you what we were talking about that was like six years ago um but one of them was Fight Club and that was the first moment I knew that Fight Club was actually a book I thought it was just a movie and I was Mm. thinking why are we reading a script from Fight Club right now but it wasn't it was a book um and no one could take it seriously because it was from Fight Club Really? Yes. And that is the extent of that conversation that I remember. But I did remember thinking it was odd that we were talking about that in my high school AP literature classroom. That's kind of, kind of feels odd, right? I think it's a, here's my best guess. I think it's a, well, I mean, it's not just a guess. Like our, our, obviously the film studies teacher that I took the classroom talked about why she had chosen Mm -hmm. that specifically. Um, So Fight Club especially when you look at like the book versus the movie was this, I think kind of rare piece of media where the book had this very specific aim in terms of its commentary as like a um, satirization of toxic masculinity and like a, a very clear, I don't know, maybe not condemnation probably isn't too strong of a word of, of that type of culture. And like, the dangers of that type of thinking but the movie did i think the exact opposite so i don't know if maybe that's why yeah you know english teachers lit teachers love to talk about film teachers love yeah. to talk about it as yeah. like 
you take the same source material and you can interpret it which I mean with satire I guess that's always the danger right yeah 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 I don't know do you think oh go ahead was I think it falls into it's interesting I just recently saw I think it was like TikTok by uh Jason Pargin, Pargin? He, he, David Wong is how I know him. It's his pen name, but he's, he's an author. And he was talking about how there's mm-hmm. one character that's so hard to write, and that is like the charismatic cult leader. Because if you try to write it as an indictment of this specific type of character, you still have to write them as charismatic. And inevitably, especially in film, you're going to fall in love with that character, even though you're not supposed mm-hmm. to. Because the point is that this type of person is dangerous. And I think that's the folly of... If you look at the movie and you've got Brad Pitt as the guy mm-hmm. who you're super not supposed to agree with, it's Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's the problem sometimes when you get you get an actor like Brad Pitt. I mean, I don't like Ed Edward Norton and Brad Pitt, I find both extremely likable. Yeah. Um and you know, as actors and then in these roles, it's it's very hard to not like kind of think they're cool even though like I knew that wasn't cool I mean we all know an underground club where you beat each other up isn't like cool right well I think that is is cool right well that's the problem it's not cool right I mean I'm saying as my adult self in my in my mid-30s yeah I don't think that's cool I think that's violent and I understand the themes of the movie I'm pretty sure when I saw this movie as a teenager I thought that's cool this is saying something about the world that I need to pay attention to I need to learn from this movie that's absolutely how I took it on my first watch yeah I mean I definitely felt like it, it, it just it walked too close the line of first of all a lot of us I think as we get older, start to worry that we're not having enough like real experiences Mm -hmm. that maybe we're getting too lost in all the stuff that we have created as a society and that maybe there's something more basic that as a human we're missing out on. I think that that's a very normal thing to worry about. Now, I think for most people that doesn't manifest as like, so I want to start an underground boxing club like (laughs) It start it like it. You want to go? I don't know. Spend time in nature. Go hiking or mm-hmm. something, or start meditating. I, I, you know, for most people, it's something like that. But I think I think it's a very normal thing to start worrying that there's a more real, basic, sort of biological part of our existence we're missing. And I think that then, as you progress to like sort of raging against the machine and the man and the system. What, even if you're a person who abhors violence, you may see the necessity to fight the system. So, I mean, I think it hits on things that we all sort of think about, especially as we age. Yeah. What I do, like, that idea of intimacy, that, that like, something, like, like, a real experience, I think that's kind of the, the, the synthesis of Fight Club, is that you're dealing with specifically men uh, mm-hmm. in this movie, and they understand the importance for a deeper connection, but they've been so spoiled against the idea of actual emotional connection that the only way they can imagine intimacy is violence. And that's, I mean, that's a huge part of like modern, like toxic masculine theory is that intimacy equals violence. That's the only way you can perceive 
doing something real in the world is with an act of violence because you've not been educated in the ways of like softness, kindness, intimacy, yeah. gentleness. Man, there's a lot from this movie that I did not get watching. <laughs> what? Um, well, and I, I well, I'm thinking about it because you all are talking about this. I'm like, well, yeah, I see that now that you're saying it, but that nothing like this, you know, was like in my mind as I was watching. And knowing that it's a book before, I feel like that's the issue with a lot of book to movie adaptations when you're not just taking like something like, I don't know, like the Hunger Games that's like this dystopian world that's like a whole mm -hmm. universe that you can copy paste into a movie and has a lot going on besides just like the overall themes and like hidden meanings. Like there's a lot of plot. I think with a book like this, it's a lot easier to, and I haven't read it, but I'm assuming it's a lot easier to mention all these kind of subtle things and like bring up recurring themes over and over again when you're writing a book because things can be mentioned very subtly. But it's hard like to do that when you're watching Brad Pitt fighting. Yes. Well, like that, it's just, it's hard to get all that in there. And that becomes the movie is Brad Pitt fighting. Mm -hmm. um, not all the stuff that you get when you're reading something and you're getting all like the you know, back and forth of narration and dialogue and scene building, theme building, all that. I mean, this gets into, I've, it's an argument that I've made about like comics versus movies before that sometimes an art form, sometimes a story is best told in the art form it was envisioned in. Like mm -hmm. not everything's ultimate best adaptation is a big screen film. You know, you, mm -hmm. you mentioned the Hunger Games and I think about how in the book when they're talking about the Capitol, like there's a certain amount of kind of disgust you're supposed to have for it. Mm -hmm. You know, like the way even they describe mm -hmm. like the makeup on people's faces. Like I don't, I wouldn't have put that in film as some beautiful like decadent, like mm -hmm. there should be a level mm -hmm. of disgust, but it's cinema. We want to see a spectacle. We want to see something beautiful. And of course the movie's going to do that, but it kind of takes away from the scene you build in your head where like, yeah, it's decadent, but it's kind of disgusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think it was going to be hard no matter how you adapted it to a movie to capture this in a way. Cause like, imagine that the fight scenes look the way they probably should, which is just brutal and you know, like people who are not trained in fighting in any way, just beating on each other out of like rage that they don't know how to deal with because they need therapy and don't <laughs> don't know that. You know, I mean, like, really, like, that's what we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. People who really should be in therapy and then society told them they couldn't because like crying is a girly thing to do or whatever. And so instead they're hitting each other like that. Those should be really awful. And like you get there with the one scene where he's like really pounding on Jared Leto. Yeah. But, like, otherwise, they're, it's all kind of cool. And it would be really hard to make the movie otherwise because nobody would want to look at it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to make it, people have to want to look at it. And you don't want to look at something that makes you feel really bad. Yeah. So you have to you have to make it a little bit cool. A little bit like, I know it's bad, but isn't it cool? You know? Yeah. It's like how movies made smoking look for so long. Sure, it's bad, but don't they look cool while they're doing it? Mm -hmm. Don't you want one, too? Like, movies are good at doing that to us. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think maybe nobody realized before the movie came out, like, how, com how like, the if you're going to, if satire is going to land, it there has to be a base thing underneath it that everybody understands. So, like, if you think about, like, a modest proposal, 
where Jonathan Swift wrote that we should start eating babies. Right. Right. The the reason that piece of satire works is because nobody would think it's a good idea to eat a baby. Nobody's ever going to eat a baby. Like it's so like there's a there's a horrible repulsive idea underneath it that everyone agrees is terrible. And so mm-hmm. that's why the satire works because you're never going to think it's true. Mm-hmm. Nobody's actually going to think, well, somebody probably, but most of us are not going to think he wants us to eat a baby. I think that what this movie kind of showed is that that's not true when it comes to these ideas about how violence is the only way that some men understand how to connect with others. I think that I think that we don't all understand that, or at least we didn't in 1999. Mm-hmm. And so when it came out, nobody saw that universal truth. They went, oh, yeah, that's valid. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, and, and the movie frames their big goal is destroying the banks, which it's hard to be like, mm-hmm. oh, no, those poor banks. What a horrible. Like, no, we're all like, right. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the bigger the bigger idea is, oh, we're going to reset society. So the alpha men the men that don't care about duvet covers and condiments can take over and rule for real and have real strength, which again, we're not like the current system is absolutely defined by men who have had privilege for centuries upon centuries, Mm -hmm. taking control and abusing people that are viewed as weaker than them. Like it's the same system. The system Mm -hmm. they dreamed of is exactly the system they're in. They're just at the bottom instead of the top. And that's what they want to reset. That's what the whole idea is. It's not a yeah. better answer. It's just, it's it's the same answer. <laughs> Which, by the way, the knowledge that this is 1999 is crucial to the plot point that in order to destroy debt, they're going to just, like, get rid of the banks. Right. Yeah. Like, like everything's just held on one computer. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's not... <laughs> that's not how that works and then i'm remembering like well no i guess this was 1999 it wasn't like there was no cloud you know there was no data stored somewhere like okay i guess that's but it really it was a full minute of me like no this this how is this a major flop point in this movie you can't just destroy credit card information and then debt goes away that's not how that works i guess he could have this it's was we were window. listen this was 1999 we were all freaking out about you know the millennium the, the year 2000 and when all when the bug happened when all the computers thought it was the year 1900 and everything was going to shut down yeah. <laughs> yeah um this is kind of this is kind of veering off topic but not entirely and you were talking about satire and how this isn't the basis of it isn't like an important idea that makes it obviously satire like you know mm-hmm. in, opposed to a modest proposal do you think that's why snl is less funny now like, is, I, I'm not saying that is like my objective opinion. I'm saying like it seems like the consensus of the 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 community of viewers is that it is less funny. And I, well, I, think about it. Like when politicians used to be on SNL doing absolutely ridiculous things, it's like oh ha ha. They would never. Mm-hmm. Will Ferrell is George Bush. Oh ha ha. But now it's like oh, that's just that's just what really just happened today except we're just watching actors do it and it's a, it, we're making it funny but really that's just what we all watched happen in the world today uh, well I, I do think that that I mean it's and maybe, not an important idea that the president would say he refuses to give up you know his seat and that elections are fake and voters are fake that's a real thing that happened mm-hmm. well and I think um, and maybe it should have you know shame on maybe all of us who laughed at like oh look at that bumbling George W yeah. As portrayed by Will yeah. Ferrell, like he's so like oh he's not very smart, but at least he's funny. Like 
Yeah. Look how sweet he is when he choked on that pretzel. Like, you know, <laughs> that, I, I mean, I do feel like it was treated that way. And then finally, I think with Trump, it was enough of a like, well, we all agree he's horrible. And so now we can't laugh at it because I know I felt that way. Like, I didn't want to see any of it. I don't want to see anything about Donald. I don't because it's not funny to me. It's too serious to be funny. It's too immediate and threatening and dangerous. And we need to handle it and we can't laugh at it. Which, I mean, maybe the problem is why weren't we laughing at, or why were we laughing at this stuff all along, right? Well, I, I agree, but I think it's because I, and I'm, because I'm, I'm really fascinated by the bridge between comedy and horror because they share a lot of the same elements, right? Like, why is it that so many people, when you're walking through a haunted house, something jumps out at you and you might scream, but you also are going to laugh? I feel like our yeah. comedy response and our laugh response are very close. And, the sort of idea behind it is that comedy and horror both come from the same idea or the same response of something unexpected happen. That like it's funny when I don't know, like when when a like like physical humor when someone falls down or somebody does something really goofy or says something outlandish because it's a shift of what we expect to happen, and in that complete confusion over something so unexpected happening we either laugh or we scream but that they come kind of from the same spot and in a world where the most absurd things happen all the time where the people in control keep doing the most absurd things and it's just a reality it's so hard to laugh because laughter requires the unexpected and how many times do you hear people saying like I, I could have, yeah, that probably, that makes sense. That makes sense for 2023. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why the younger generation no, I, has just gone pure absurdist with their humor, because that's the only way you can laugh. Yeah. I think I think that's true, and I think that it's also, like, so much of what's funny is is what's true. Like, there, I think there has to be a truth there. I think that's a lot of comedy, too. And I think that we are a lot more adept, especially younger people at when you see like when you see them sort of mocking a political figure, but not really, but doing it in a way that like they're going to leave the gloves on. They're going to keep it from going too far. We're just kind of gently poking fun or, you know, or something like that. I think that that you have an audience that's savvy enough to go, I know whose side you're on. Yeah. I understand why you're riding that fence and I don't appreciate it. I think that's part of it too. And I think that's, well, if we're getting back to SNL, I think that's part of the problem is like, how, how tough can you be on Trump when you had Trump on your show? Yeah. And we all remember that and we all know that. And, you know, at some, at some point you have to just say the hard thing and take a stand. In a similar vein, how can I take your satirical commentary on toxic masculinity seriously when there's so much shirtless Brad Pitt? <laughs> well, like, you know, when we were talking about doing this, Sid, you mentioned, like, when they're in the, in the train or the bus or something and they uh-huh. comment on, like, the Calvin Klein ad, some guy with his abs at, like, ooh, is that what a man's supposed to look like? And even Brad, like, Brad Pitt saying that is hilarious. Even Edward Norton, who in this movie verse is supposed to be unattractive, it's Edward Norton. Like, he's an attractive man. I, I always thought that was strange, too. And which, yeah. I mean, again, speaks to the culture of the 90s. Like, you were not going to put a guy in that role who wasn't attractive, you know? Because we were going to look at him the whole movie, and we were mm-hmm. going to, you know, root for him on some level. Um, I guess. I mean, you do. You do kind of root for him. I don't know. Does it flip 
for you when you find out it was all him? I don't know if I was rooting for anybody necessarily. I mean, it's not like a, there's no quote unquote good guy, you know? Like even Mar, like I, I feel bad for Marla, but it's, it's also, you don't really root for her necessarily. Yeah. I read a, a, an argument that she is also him. Um, I don't know that that's true necessarily, but I read somebody wrote an essay saying that all three were manifestations of him. But I didn't. I did, I never got that impression from the book or the movie. I read that essay and I thought it was a really interesting take. But I don't know that I ever would have. Oh, is he accepting his softer feminine side? Is that is that what we're at? Did he <laughs> the defeat end, the toxic masculine hammer. side mm-hmm. and then he's accepting Marla? I I actually could swallow that more than the actual the idea that she's a real person because I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter that now he's apologizing to you. He's been horrible to you, and he just blew up some buildings. You, yeah, yes. red flags, babe, red flags. <laughs> yes, I, I mean that. That was the argument: is that this was the other piece of him that came out sometimes. I will say, I don't, I don't know how the the reveal of of you know all of it being one person is done in the book, but I didn't have a huge inkling that, that is what, like the direction we were going. Mm-hmm. I looking back, I'm like, oh, I can see how they were how we were thinking that and how we were getting to that. But I wasn't, you know, I was a little surprised. I I mean, I saw the movie before I read the book and it totally caught me off guard. Yeah. 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 I had, I had no idea. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's really interesting because what we, what you kind of talked about Tay, when you were saying like they're raging against the system, they want to reset the system that like is already benefiting them. Yeah. I mean, or that could conceivably, you know, what what we're kind of bumping up against is like the early days of like incel culture. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, incels mm-hmm. incels love this movie for the wrong reasons. This is one Do of those they? classic movies that incels love for all the wrong reasons. Because mm. I can see that as like it totally already benefits you. You're just mad because you're not. I don't. I don't know. I mean, ha- the, I mean, in their words, the alpha. But like, I don't. I don't know. It's something less gross is what I would say. Yeah. You are led to believe that because of the way you are made, you're supposed to be at the top. And generally, that's the way it works out. You're supposed to be dominating a whole bunch of people that you view as less. And you're angry that you're not. That's the system still works in your favor. You're just the outlier that wasn't let in on that. And I think it's funny because I always that conversation they have. And there's two points where. Edward Norton's character when he's just Jack, quote unquote, and he talks about having condiments, but no meals or like, you know, food in his fridge. Mm -hmm. And then Brad Pitt goes on that rant about duvets. And these are kind of the targets, right? Like, oh, it's all this stuff in our life. That's our problem. Like, and it's weird because to me, it's like you're talking about comfort. You're talking about the things Mm -hmm. that that make life comfortable, that make life nice, that that add specificity to life. You know, you picking out your specific way of going through life. I, I think that that is kind of a, a sort of encapsulation of what we might think of as like the feminine side, right? It's the mm-hmm. details of your life that make it yours and comfortable. And that that's where they choose to direct their ire is, it's again, it's still reinforcing the same system. It's not that that's your problem. Your problem isn't that you have a nice bed with a comfortable comforter. <laughs> your problem is that you feel cheated because you were promised that you'd be allowed to persecute people that you haven't been allowed to persecute as a white mm-hmm. man in society. That's it. That's your problem. So you yeah. want to burn it down 
so that maybe you have a chance to be at the top. You're not the hero. You're just a different form of the villain. It's interesting because it's all very clear. And I mean, I remember understanding it from the book. And I mean, also, I took a whole class on it. So, of course, it was made very clear to me. (laughs) I don't know. And then we compared it to the Manchurian (laughs) Candidate. Oh, all right. Which I don't. I don't remember how the two. I mean, I understand what that is, too. But I don't remember why the two were connected. (laughs) In retrospect, I wasn't clear on like, how are these two? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) I'm feeling like that we read a section of Fight Club in the same packet that we read a section of uh, uh, Memento Mori. You know, the the story that like the movie Memento or whatever that movie is is based off of. Okay. And now I'm not remembering how those are connected. Well, really, it seems like Fight Club is everywhere and everything in all of us. Um, We just got to find... The, the connection. I, I think Fight Club culturally had a very large impact on where we are today as a society. I think that it's unfortunate that it was, and I don't know, I mean, like, I wasn't there when they were making the movie, so I don't know what conversations went on. You know, I don't know what they were trying to do or what they were willing to let be the message. I mean, because when you make art, you don't necessarily know how it's going to be interpreted. But I... I feel like that the fact that it, that Chuck Palahniuk's book was so misinterpreted when it was put to film by all those who watched it, many who watched it, has had a really negative impact. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I mean, I, I and I, I mean, obviously, I don't think movies can do that alone. There was a huge, there was a larger cultural movement that was happening around it, and this just sort of became like a, I don't know, like a nidus for infection. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Like, it's this, I, I mean, again, like you said, it's like incel culture. It's this idea that I've been cheated out of something I deserve and I need to burn the world down to reset it so what, so it's right. Because what's right is I'm somehow in power. And it's like, no, 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 the system is working exactly the way it's supposed to. You're just one of the nerds that didn't get all the benefits of everybody else's suffering and, and abuse. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. doesn't, again, like you're not... You know, you're not the Joker. I'm just gonna like tell it what like it is. Like, ah, oh, the world's a joke. Ha ha ha! I just see it for what it is. Like, you're just angry that you feel like you were deserved things which you never deserved. You never deserved access to women's bodies. You never deserved wealth or success just because of the way you were born. You just feel like you should have, and that's the form of your anger. And that's a you problem, yeah, nobody- and not an everybody else problem. Nobody laughed at your jokes because your jokes weren't funny. Yeah. You should have, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, like the the rest of us insecure losers, we tried to get funny because nobody just laughed because of the way we were made. I don't know. It's, and it, you know, and I guess I don't want to, I don't want to give, because I think that's a really um, dangerous road to go down to start blaming any piece of media for like oh, negative no, stuff in no. society. It all, it all can only take hold if there's already that there, like there's something there that is a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's an out that is, has to do so much with capitalism and with the patriarchy and with a society that has demeaned women and, and black people and people of color and the LGBTQ. I mean, it's so much bigger than fight club. Oh, but well. our whole society is structured on that sort of hierarchy 
And this movie just became like a flashpoint for the wrong kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the problem with art in general. People will suss out what they want to see in it. And right. if there are a lot, pe a lot of people out there that have the just a deeply wrong belief in their system that they can somehow see reflected in your piece of art. They're going to see it. I, I can watch Fight Club now as an adult and say, you know, I am disgusted I, uh, by Brad Pitt's character. I think that he is kind of a laughable idea of masculinity. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't root for him. Doesn't matter how cool he looks, no. you don't root for him. Um, you, you are glad when Edward Norton's character wins out in the end. It's just, if you go into that with preconceived notions about, you know, I don't know, a very different kind of society, you're going to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you could, you could make the argument that on the flip side of it, like reading the book and understanding it the way that I was able to, I feel lucky because it made me see things a little more clearly in a good way. You know, like I, I feel like I understand that dysfunction in our society a little better. Yeah. Um, which you have to imagine was the goal. Yeah. Uh, either way, I will always say that if you ask somebody their favorite movie and they say Fight Club, I feel like that's always like my next question always has to be, oh, yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, there could be a caveat <laughs> what there. Part specifically? I mean, I think if they're, what? yeah, like, oh, because it's a, like, it's a, breakdown of toxic masculinity okay 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 right. we can go from there <laughs> right okay okay <laughs> what uh what made you love it so much because <laughs> i i hate duvets too and condiments and buildings sometimes i just want to destroy something beautiful <laughs> i mean that scene too it's like that's a fun like the, the the author is like a very very much a gay man like there's so much like oh, we didn't even talk about like the the repressed homosexuality that runs throughout this film oh yeah like, yeah this beautiful twink jared leto getting his face beat in like come on like that's just like no 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 no. it's just like what a cool that guy does yeah it's a cool guy that's repressing <laughs> his homosexuality there are all these guys who just want to fight because of Fight Club, and you want to say, like, guys, the whole message was, like, please stop punching each other stop and just, punching. like, hug each other, go to therapy, like that's, cry. Like, like the whole... That's all, it just <laughs> the intro to the movie where he goes to all the support groups that he doesn't belong in, it's like, no, you need one of these that actually you connect to. You're on the right path. Just go to a support yeah. group that fits you. Talk to a For therapist. A man will create a fictional Brad Pitt and blow up buildings before he'll go to therapy. <laughs> that's the that's the moral of the story. That's, that's the, the point of Fight, Fight Club. Club. <laughs> we cracked it. Well, thank you all. I, I I'm glad that the three credit hours I have in Fight Club were put to good use today. Um. <laughs> I'm pleased. Uh. Destroying credit cards and banks doesn't destroy debt. <laughs> Please remember this. I'm all for destroying debt. I got a lot of it, yeah, but that's not gonna work. Yeah. And, no. and please, if you are someone who needs it, please access therapy if possible. Yeah. Um, and uh, don't great. Your it's paper. good for everyone. Really, it's really it's it's a good idea. It's therapy's great. Um, and and read the book because yeah. the book has a lot of more nuanced uh, ideas there. And hey, the book is not by Struck Media, so check check the, check that out. Do that. Yeah, and if Fight go. Club's your favorite movie, ask yourself why. <laughs> it's okay. You can have good answers. There are good answers to that question. You can question. have good answers. 
It's I really just take like, a moment to reflect. Knowing what I know now about it, I do like the movie. Yeah, but yeah. it's just you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it, it is a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, Taylor, what's next? Uh, next, um, I want to talk about my favorite album by one of my favorite musicians. Uh, the musician is Amy Mann, and the album is Lost in Space, which I believe came out in 2002. So, it's... Uh, All right. When I first thought, I was like, that's not that old. I'm like, oh, God, it's, it's over 20 years old. Uh, yeah, so that's old enough. It qualifies. <laughs> it could drink. It could <laughs> this drink. album could drink. And you know what? After you listen to it, this album needs a drink. So, check it out. <laughs> Excellent. All right. All right. Well, we will listen to that for next week. And uh, thank you all for joining us. Um, thank you to Maximum Fun, the network that we're a part of. You can go to maximumfun.org, listen to a lot of great podcasts there. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org. And that um, link that I mentioned one more time, hold on, that I lost entertainmentcommunity.org. You'd think I could. I cannot hold a URL in my head for all the money on earth. This is just a sign of when I grew up, I think. Just uh, to you should check it out. It, they have uh, ways to support um, and donate and give to people who, um, you know, right now are striking for um, their deserved uh, benefits and pay, and you can support them. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I, I am too. Too. That was a rough one there. We were way off. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I called myself at the end. I almost said teenager. That's not right. I thought you meant you forgot your name. No, I did that part. <laughs> I am Rawlog Smack. <laughs> That's me. Hi, I'm Ketchup. And I'm Socks. And I'm Ball Bearings. And I'm Pigeons. And I'm Water Towers. And I'm Cardboard. Surprise, we're actually humans. Humans making a podcast about those kinds of topics. Because those are real episode topics on the podcast, secretly incredibly fascinating. That's a podcast where we take ordinary seeming things like ketchup and socks and cardboard and bring you the little known history and science and stories that make those things secretly incredibly fascinating. Secretly incredibly fascinating. The title of the podcast. Hear the back catalog anytime and hear new amazing episodes every Monday at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.